in the previous episode of Conduct Unbecoming. The investigation into Deputy Steve Calkins uncovered two radio calls he made in the dispatch on January 12th. The radio calls and sworn statements from eyewitnesses have put the focus of the investigation onto Calkins' timeline and his actions on the day Terrence Williams disappeared. With media interest in the case growing, increased pressure has been placed on the Collier County Sheriff's Office to reopen the investigation into Felipe Santos' disappearance and to investigate the similarities it shares with Terrence Williams' case. Our story continues on April 16, 2004, with Deputy Calkins returning to the Collier County Sheriff's Office to meet with Internal Affairs investigators. Three months have now passed since Terrence Williams was last seen, and as a result of his inconsistent statements, Calkins must now take a second polygraph under a PRB order. The focus of the second exam will be on Calkins' timeline, specifically the time and events that occurred between his two radio calls on January 12th. It is at this point in their investigation that Internal Affairs is certain that Calkins was with Terrence when he made that second call, which would make Calkins the last person to see Terrence Williams alive. The investigator conducting the second polygraph is Captain Scott Walters, who is a former police officer. Walters will be asking Calkins for more precise answers on his timeline, which he will then use to build the questions for the exam. Did they tell you why they're asking you to come back in again today? Did you have a discussion with Mike about why they're asking you to come back in here? Okay. My understanding is the only thing that they need to get resolved with you or the only thing they need to make sure is correct with you is... Uh, as far as you running Terrence, uh, where you came by that information as far as his uh, date of birth, and um, if you had had any additional contact with him after you dropped him off at the circle. Okay, yeah, I talked to Mike about that last week. Yeah. yeah, and I know you and I talked about it before. We discussed you taking him to Circle K, and that doesn't seem to be an issue. Obviously, you dropped him at Circle K. The question is... I guess what the question is that they need to have answered is, did you have any additional contact with him, like one-on-one contact, like you and I talking type of contact, after you dropped him at that circle, okay? Regardless of whether or not you went back looking for him, for whatever reasons, did you actually come into contact with Terrence? So as we're going through that, Steve, I want you to focus just that. You know, I mean, we're still talking about the same day, and I know you've been through this a couple dozen times now as far as interviews and racking your brain over it. But... What I do ask is that, you know, if there's any doubts that you have, let me know. Because if you have a doubt about something, I don't want that to be a reason you have a problem answering a question in here. You know, I mean, I realize we're talking about something that happened, what was this, January 12th? You know, that we're going back, we're going almost three months now. And I don't want that to be, I know we're starting to talk a little bit of delay, and I know there's been a lot of interviews, and I know there's been a lot of conversations about it. But if you have any doubts, let me know. Because I would rather sit here and discuss it with you and make sure you're clear about exactly what we're asking you than to see you have a problem with anything sitting there today. All right? It's in this next audio clip that we learn new information investigators discovered about the method Calkins used to make those two calls to dispatch. 
an issue arises, or one of the issues arises, that you ran Terrence, or that you did most of your um, most of your checks on Terrence, basically the vehicle and everything, over your Nextel, rather than over the radio. Was there a reason why you had done that? Yeah. Okay. I use telephones a lot. Yeah. In the office. Mm -hmm. Out of my car. Okay. A lot of times we can't get out of here. I understand that. <laughs> so basically, you're just doing your job over the. Over the yeah, next I've time. already been reprimanded for all this. Now, no, that's not. Like I said, I'm not interested in in that because I do know we do that. Uh, people. That's why a lot of times we don't check out the DAVs or minor things because we, half the time we can't get on the radio. Right, and you we got we got two districts on one channel. Yeah, one and two always always <laughs> jammed together, right? I do know that the radio gets busy, and I do know we will do a lot of work. Hell, you do a lot of communications on the Nextel, you know, between cars. Rather than getting on the radio and tying up the radio, you guys are banging each other on the Nextels, you know. It's a lot easier to do it that way. <laughs> the, the Nextel's hardly ever tied up. The radio is. But uh, aside from that, I mean, was there any other reasons why you would have been using your Nextel as opposed to using the radio? I use I use the phones in the office a lot. I, I just uh, I don't know. It's uh, it's easier. It's more comfortable. So what we just heard is that Calkins used his Nextel telephone to make his calls to dispatch on January twelfth, as opposed to using his radio which is a policy violation that Calkins admits he is aware of, and explains that he does this because it's easier than checking in over the broadband. The reason this is significant is because by using his Nextel, Calkins is avoiding having his actions tracked through the radio. The fact he did this, on the same day Terrence went missing, makes his motivations for using his Nextel suspicious. Next, Calkins will be asked where he got the date of birth he ran on Terrence. And it's here that Calkins finds out the date of birth he ran was fake. The information that you did run on Terrence, I believe you did that over the next tell as well, calling into whoever. The date of birth that you had on him, the, uh, the date of birth that you ran on him, where did you come by that information? I don't know. <laughs> well, did Terrence tell it to you? I don't know. I, I had three answers for that question. Okay. Well, give me the three that you got. Okay. <laughs> Terrence told me. <clears throat> I found it in his car. Well, the misdemeanor investigator gave it to me. That being Vito you're talking about? I hate to bring Vito. No, sorry, don't worry about it. It doesn't matter how you came by the information if you're doing it for legitimate reasons, you know. Well, I don't know. I, I still don't understand what the... Well, I'm just... Yeah. <clears throat> I don't mean to be smart ass, but how many data bursts does he have? I mean... I don't know. You know, I wish I could tell you exactly. How many data bursts and... 
social security numbers and names does he use or does he have? I, I, don't, I don't see what... That's a, real, that's a real good question. What's the significant thing about this well, supposed three, secret date of birth? Well, I don't think it is a... I don't know if it's... Can, I don't know if you'd want to refer to it as like a secret date of birth, but it's one that basically only Terrence really knows about. It's only one that he's only used one other time in his life, basically. Uh, and it's just kind of a... He has certain dates, like you said, he's got different names, obviously, you know, he's not just Terrence so-and-so, yeah. uh, you know, he's got a few other names, but this, for whatever reason, uh, the date of birth that you used is one that basically is known to Terrence. Uh, it's not anything that really appears on anything else. And their question is whether he gave it to you or not, or whether you got it off of uh, some kind of paperwork of his or not, I guess the question that needs to be asked of you is, make sure that they're clear on and they're comfortable with is this. Uh, when you did run him by that date of birth, that April of 75 date of birth, was Terrence with you when you ran him by that date of birth? Can't see how. Well, I'm not, like I said, I'm not trying to be, I'm not trying to uh, be tough about it or hard about it or anything like that, but what I do want you to understand is that is a question that I need to ask you on the test. So you've got to get yourself to the point where you're comfortable with what you're answering to. If you're sitting there and you're saying, Terrence, what's your fucking date of birth? And he said, and you're sitting there on the phone going, hey, what's your date of birth? And he's telling you, oh, it's April 75, then he's with you while you're doing that. If you scratched it down on a piece of paper like you said, and then you ran it a couple hours later or whatever, you're going to know that been in law enforcement long enough to know that if somebody's standing with you and you ask them their date of birth and they tell it to you, or they hand you a, you know, they hand you their license or some kind of ID card that has that date of birth and you're reading it right off the card while you're talking to them or where you're standing out there with them, that's one thing. That's pretty much how we get our information. But basically what you're saying is that you dropped Terrence off at the Circle K and after that you went back to the car. The wrecker comes and tows the car. You say you go back to the substation, and then you drive up to the Circle K. Well, about 10 or 11 or so minutes after you say that you dropped, or after the, the wrecker leaves, is when you're running his name on the Nextel, calling somebody up and running his name on the Nextel, and you're using that April 75 date of birth. So after you left the car, did you go back? Or did you go looking for Terrence after you left the car, or did you really go back to the substation? I think I went back to the substation. Okay. Well, did you have any contact with Terrence after the tow truck left you, or after you left the tow truck and went back to the substation? No. Okay, in other words, did you see Terrence, instead of walking up towards Pizza Hut, did Terrence come walking back in towards town, and you see him walking back in towards town, and go over and have a discussion with him about how you think this car might have been a stolen car out of Golden Gate, and him give you that date of birth? Okay. Well, I don't want you. Uh, I'm, again, Steve, I'm not trying to nail you down on this. I'm not trying to make it look like it's anything more than what it might be, but. It is important that you be very clear about what did happen as far as you running that date of birth. Now keep this in mind. Internal Affairs had already established long before this interview that the only way Culkins got the date of birth he ran over his next tell was directly from Terrence. 
No documentation exists anywhere associating that date of birth with Terrence. And Internal Affairs has already spoken with Vito, the misdemeanor investigator, who only had Terrence's true date of birth. Walters goes over the timeline with Calkins repeatedly, and even pre-warns Calkins that the question was Terrence with him when he ran that fake date of birth is going to be on the polygraph. Now despite this, Culkin still wants to say he had no further contact with Terrence after he dropped him off at the Circle K, which at this point, investigators know is a lie. Now, I've asked you and you've told me that you've had no further contact with Terrence after you dropped him at the Circle K, correct? Correct. In other words, when you went back looking for Terrence, you didn't find him. Correct. Okay. Two days later, did you find Terrence walking around anywhere? Two days later? Yeah. Three days later, four days later, five weeks later. You know? In other words, do you have any knowledge about where Terrence is right now? For sure, no. Okay. What do you think? What do I think? Yeah. I think he's in East Naples. Okay. Why do you think? Why do you think that? Why? Yeah. Because I uh, obtained a report recently that had been taken on January twenty fourth by East Naples deputies. Okay. Whereby a clerk at the Sunoco gas station on the East Trail okay. had been talking to his buddy Terrence. Mm -hmm. Approximately one week after I spoke with Terrence. Right. Besides that report, do you have any other reason to know right now or suspect right now where Terrence might be? Right now? Yeah. Suspect Steve right now for any other reasons that Terrence would be in East Naples. Do you have any knowledge of him having any houses down that way? Any girlfriends down that way? Any boyfriends down that way? <laughs> I don't know. No. no, all I have is guesstimates. Okay. All I have is my suspicions. It's too. a fair assumption to have a suspicion about anything, especially when you've been sitting here and you've been asked questions a hundred times over about do you know where he's at and things like that. And I would expect that you would try to figure something out. You know, I mean, you're not going to sit here and just, you know, play the, I don't know, you know, play the fool in it all and sit here and say, I have no idea where Terrence might be. And I, I've never looked for him and I don't know anything about him, you know. I would expect that if something like this were arising where now we're trying to find Terrence and people are asking you, do you know where he's at? You'd be, Jesus, where could he be? You know, I mean, that's normal. Uh, that's, that's anybody in life. But what we're looking at here is after your contact, on that day with Terrence, have you had any further contact with him? No. Okay, in other words, have you come into contact with Terrence since January 12th? No. In other words, and I, I think it was a Monday, don't hold me to it, I know we're talking a little while ago, but since that day, the very next day, or any day since that day till now, have you had any contact with Terrence? No. After you dropped him at the Circle K, did 
did you have any further contact with Terrence? No. Okay. Now, I think that answers most of the questions that we had for you. Is this being taped? Always. Always. Well, I guess it doesn't matter. But that's done for I think for they already know anyway, but I went down to that Sunoco at the last time I met Mike, you know, uh -huh. just looking around. So I'd never been there before. Mm -hmm. And I just... It's well, a very busy little place. Sure. And it's a very... It's very... Um, there's a lot of different kinds of people that go there. Oh, yeah. There's... They, well, East Naples is a diverse culture. Uh, That's what I was trying to say. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of different types of there's a lot of different types of nationalities running in and out, and there's a lot of different types of person people. Basically, yeah. you know, we'll, we'll try to be politically correct about that and say, yeah, it is a diverse area. Um, I didn't get a warning, but I got a I got a advice. I think to stay away from there. Not to go digging out on my own anymore, but yeah. I was just like you just said that. Uh, I guess it's not curiosity; it's maybe personal satisfaction, or well, I think it's a lot of things, or maybe a little. I I, I don't know, but I just wanted to go down here and see where that place was, and just kind of watch it and just yeah. look around. Well, I will tell you, Steve, if you were sitting down there and Terrence would have been walking up, <laughs> yeah. I'm probably sure you would have grabbed him by the cuff said, you know where you're going? You're coming with me because we're going to show them you. You know what I mean? I would expect... Yeah, I don't know brought him right up here and sat him down in your office. Uh, I'm sure you would have. Uh, I think right about now, I don't think any, and I don't think anybody would have said, gee, I wouldn't have done that. Uh, I think right about now, a lot of people would have done the same thing. And, yeah, I don't, like I said... Maybe that's what I was hoping for. I don't know. I sat down there for a while. And yeah, I mean, I don't expect that. I mean, like I said... manager. I, I think he's down here sneaking around in drag or something. I just... The January 24th report out of East Naples that Calkins is referring to was a statement taken from a clerk at a Sunoco gas station who claimed to have seen Terrence there. This had long since been followed up on by investigators and Terrence's family, all of who dismissed the report as lacking credibility, with no evidence to corroborate the claim. Yet Calkins admits to breaking protocol and visiting that Sunoco gas station to look around, based on a report he himself knows was discredited. And apparently, because of the high transgender population in East Naples, Calkins adds that Terrence could be in that area, sneaking around in drag. So before we go into the results of Calkins' second polygraph, I want to jump over to the other part of this story. The disappearance of Felipe Santos. The Collier County Sheriff's Office had previously denied requests from the Mexican consulate to reopen the misconduct case against Calkins and Felipe's disappearance. However, when the details of Terrence and Felipe's disappearances became public, the Sheriff's Office agreed to reopen that investigation. With the reopening of that case, investigators tracked down and spoke to Camille Locke. Locke was the other driver involved in the accident with Felipe. Surprisingly, the original complaint investigators did not speak with her or seek her out for a sworn statement. 
In the statement obtained from Locke, she indicated that she had to chase Felipe down after the accident and force him to stop. She got Felipe to pull over near the Green Tree Shopping Center on Immokalee Road and called 911 to report the accident. Locke next said that Felipe and two male passengers got out of his truck and offered her money, saying in broken English, no police. Calkins arrived shortly after this transpired. Camille says she explained the situation to Calkins, who appeared to get angry. Calkins then approached the three men and asked which one was driving, to which Felipe indicated he had been. When Felipe could not provide proof of insurance or a driver's license, Locke says next that she assumed Calkins arrested him because he put Felipe in the back of his squad car. But she didn't recall Felipe getting handcuffed. She was certain, though, that Calkins did not read him his rights, and remarked, because of the language barrier, Felipe probably wouldn't understand them anyway. Camille further indicated that Calkins seemed agitated, and remarked to her that he was tired of getting in these situations of pulling people over that didn't have driver's licenses or insurance. Calkins then provided her with a crash report that faulted Felipe for the accident. He then left the scene with Felipe, still in the back of his squad car. On October 29, 2003, Fifteen days after the accident with Camille Locke, Felipe's brother, Jorge Martinez, submitted a complaint to the Collier County Sheriff's Office against Calkins. As it turned out, Jorge was one of the two men traveling with Felipe on the day of the accident. In the complaint, Jorge stated that no one had seen or heard from Felipe after he was driven away in the back of Calkins' squad car. It had been assumed that Felipe had been arrested and taken to jail. However, when Jorge went with family to the Collier County Jail to attempt to bail him out, they learned Felipe was not an inmate there and had not been arrested. In response to the original complaint, Calkins was asked to summarize his encounter with Felipe. In the written statement he provided to investigators, Calkins indicated that he placed Felipe in the back of his patrol car after learning he had no license or insurance. Calkins says he next proceeded to conduct his accident investigation and was able to match the damage between the two vehicles. He then completed a crash report and gave a copy to Camille Locke, and she then left the scene. This contradicted Camille Locke's later sworn statement that Calkins left before her, which she remembered because the accident had caused her car to have a flat tire, and she had to have a friend pick her up and bring her to work. Next in Calkins' report, he says that before leaving the scene, he locked the doors to Felipe's truck and decided to not have it towed because it had valid tags and was not obstructing traffic. The other two men at the scene were allowed to leave to arrange a ride. 
Calkins then indicates he released Camille Locke from the accident scene, and then he left with Felipe to take him to jail. According to Calkins, because Felipe was being polite and cooperative, he decided not to take him to jail. But because he didn't have a license or insurance, Calkins didn't want to leave him near his truck. So instead, Calkins says he drove Felipe a few blocks away to the Circle K gas station on Immokalee Road in Winterview Drive. Once there, he let Felipe out of his squad car, issued him three citations, gave him a copy of the crash report, and returned his truck keys. Calkins says he next told Felipe to use a payphone to have someone with a valid license get him and his truck. Calkins says Felipe then thanked him and shook his hand and walked away towards the payphones. And that was the last time he saw him. Investigators assigned to re-review the complaint against Calkins underlined an entire section of Calkins' written report. In particular, the part where he indicated he drove Felipe a few blocks away to use a payphone. A notation by investigators reads, This doesn't make sense. Unfortunately, the interview with Camille Locke was the only additional investigation that was performed in this case. The Collier County Sheriff's Office had made it clear at the reopening of the case that this was only an administrative investigation and not a criminal one. With no new evidence to consider, the reinvestigation into Culkin's conduct in his encounter with Felipe was closed with no further action taken. So now, let's go back to that little room in the Collier County Sheriff's Office, where Steve Culkin's is sitting and waiting to hear how he did on his second polygraph. Question that you are not clearing with me is when I ask you the question, was Terrence with you when you ran his April 1st, 1975 date of birth over your next hill? That's the question that you are not passing while you're sitting in here. I want to ask you questions like, have you had any physical contact with Terrence and things like that after that date? It doesn't seem to be too much of an issue with you, you know what I mean? And sure. I think we've been down that road before. And I think the last time you were in here and I said, okay, did you take him anywhere else other than the Circle K? I don't think you had a problem with that test, you know what I mean? So, I mean, I'm pretty sure you cleared. Because even today when I said, okay, let's start from where we left off, and I said to you, after you dropped Terrence at the Circle K, did you take him anywhere else type of question, that don't seem to be a problem for you, you know what I mean? So I'm pretty comfortable with that. But, Steve, what you got to understand, and, and I know you come in here, and I know you volunteer your time to come in here, and I know you're told to come in here and all those things. But bottom line is we got to know exactly what did happen. Because if you can tell us exactly what did happen, we can work with you in this, not against you in this. The more that we have to keep going back, and, and you got to look at it from, you know, you got to step yourself outside. I realize you're the subject of, but you got to step yourself back and take a look at it for what it really truly is. If we have to keep going back and revisiting issues and clarifying issues, it starts to make it look like there's something that you're trying to hide. And you may not have anything to hide at all. I mean, I'm pretty, I mean, I don't think there's probably an, an investigator on this that's sitting here thinking that there's something wrong, other than the fact we're not getting the total, the whole truth as to how you, how you got your information with Terrence. 
It doesn't matter if you got it from him. It doesn't matter if you're standing there right with him. But what we need to do is verify that information with you. I mean, I, I know I've said it before, but the more we can verify with you, the less that people can come back and say, what about this? What about that? Well, okay, so what? But here it is over here. I mean, people can throw darts all day long about how they think things happen. Our goal is just to get at the truth. We're not sitting here trying to tie you up on anything. You know, nothing is ever done with any investigation until the last piece of paper is written. And it wouldn't matter if we have to go back and have you give another statement and change things and clarify points and recall things. That's fine. I mean, I don't have a problem with that. I don't think Mike has a problem with that. But we do need to know, you know, about that. I mean, was Terrence with you? And did you go back and find him on that day? I mean, because that's the only way it can be. I mean, Steve, I mean, you got to look at the timeline for what it is as well. I mean, I try to ignore a lot of things, but when something's smacking you in the face, you know, I mean, the first time you came in here, my job was easy. My job was, hey, did he take him anywhere else other than the Circle K on that day in question? That's the only thing they needed to know. That's not a problem. That's not a problem for you either. But when they sit here and they say, okay, well, this is the timeline we have, and we need you to go through this with him. At 12.50, the tow truck arrives. At 13.01, you clear the call. At 13.12, you're on your next tell running Terrence by the April 1st, 1975 date of birth. So even if you left the call and headed back to the station, that's still going to take you more than 10 minutes. My feeling is, and I think what everybody believes, is that you went back up because you felt Terrence had beat you, like a lot of us would do. And you go back up and you run into him and say, wait a minute, I'm going to run you now and I want your real date of birth and I want you to cooperate with me and tell me about this. Obviously, the car's not stolen. It hasn't been reported stolen as of yet, you know, and this is three months later. I think if somebody was missing their automobile, they would have talked to us by now about it. So I don't think that that's an issue, but, Steve, I, I mean, it's just that obvious. I mean, when I'm asking you the question, you're having a problem with it. You, even though we've gone through it and we've asked you every possible way that you could have come up with it, the problem lies here. There's a timeline that we're following. And I know you sat down and you've gone through the timeline with Mike. But I can only ask the question of you the way that you want me to ask it of you. You know, I mean, you're sitting here telling me that he wasn't with you when you ran him, and I'm asking you that question, and good. If you're so certain about that, let me ask it of you just that way. The problem is that when I'm asking you the question, it's like I'm sitting in front of you, and you're talking on the phone asking, you know, dispatch to run the name. I can't ask it of you any other way unless there's something you can tell me about this, because to me, it just shows that Terrence was either with you right then and there, or you've had some other contact with Terrence that you're not telling us about. You know, if you went up there to the Circle K, if you left there from the tow truck and you said, I'm going to go find that guy because he's not telling me the truth, that you go driving up to the Circle K and you see him walking up the street and you pull him over and you say, hey, listen, you haven't been straightforward with me. I want to know your real date, and I want to know your real name, and I want to know your real date of birth. You know, or, or, you know, I'm going to take you to jail. I don't care what you would have said to him at that point. He sits there and says, okay, I'm going to level with you, I'm, you know. And it comes back that he's got warrants out of, ten out of Tennessee for child support, but nobody's going to extradite him on. So what? You know, my problem is that he disappeared on us. Everybody thinks that there's some kind of foul play going on around here, and they think the sheriff's office is involved in it. You know, we're trying to work with you to get this cleared up. It's not that we're sitting here trying to, you know, nail you down to something. If we're going to nail you down, you've already stepped on it, you know? I mean, you're, even by your own thing, you say, hey, I didn't do things the right way and stuff like that. If anybody was really interested in taking disciplinary action, it probably would have happened by now. 
You know, I mean, that's not what this is about. This is about just basically getting to the truth and making sure that what we're talking about is accurate. And we're just not getting there today. Well, I don't know what else to tell you. What about this? I mean, was Terrence with you when you ran his ran his April 1st, 1975 date of birth over your next tell? Because when you answer that question, Steve, you're just not being truthful about that. You don't I mean, think so? I, I know. I'm looking at it. I know you, Steve, and I've tested you before, you know? And the last time you are in here and I asked you the question, did you drop him off at the Circle K? The answer to that question was yeah, you know? And did you take him anywhere else other than the Circle K? And you said no to that. I don't have a problem with that. I don't think you loaded him up in your car and drove him up to Lee County, and I don't think you drove him out of town. But when I ask you the question today about just that one thing, out of all the things I asked you in here today, was Terrence with you when you ran his April 1st, 1975 date of birth over your next tell? That's the question that you can't answer. And when you, when you do say no to it, you're not telling us the truth about it. I mean, I'm not in here trying to, you know, get you to... Well, maybe it's, a, maybe, it's, maybe it's not a yes or no answer. Maybe it's an I don't know. I can't see how it can be. Or I can't remember. Or can't be that way, because I'll tell you, like we talked about, it can't be that I can't remember, and it can't be that I don't know, because my question what to you was, first of all, I said, well, how is it that you came by the date of birth? And you said it was one of three ways. Either Terrence told me, or I got it from the investigator, or it was on, somebody, it was on some documentation in the car. But see, I didn't ask you any of those questions, because you're not certain about that information. When I asked you, I said, okay, you may be uncertain about that, Steve, but when I asked you the question, was Terrence with you, standing like you and I, right in front of you while you're sitting on the phone calling it in? In other words, you saying, hey, knucklehead, what's your date of birth? And you're sitting there calling it in, and he's saying, okay, my date of birth is April 1st, 1975. You know, I, I kind of look at April 1st as being a joke, right? date of birth. Well, but what I'm saying is, Steve, it's impossible. Is, I mean, we can only ask you the question. Well, it's it's impossible because I detectives I I thought it already cleared me of not even using my next tail, so I no I uh, no I can't detectives see. didn't clear you of not using your next tail because we got a timeline here that says you were using your next tail. Well, it says that at thirteen twelve calls dispatch to run Terrence William using April first, nineteen seventy five date of birth. There's a tape of that. I know from dispatch. So how is it that you didn't call him if you're using your Nextel? I could have used any phone on this planet. Bottom line is you call in at thirteen twelve, Fine. and it wasn't called in from the station. Why not? Because they checked. They checked. They checked. Do you think Mike didn't check? They can check each and every phone number from. Why the, wouldn't they? From the phone. They're from trying the to clear you, Steve. They're trying to clear you, Steve. They're not trying to find you guilty <laughs> of something. They're trying to clear you. But you keep giving them half-truths, and you keep no, going back no, and visiting things. No, you even no. told Joe. The first thing you told Joe was that right after you left that car, you went right down to look for him. That's what you told Joe the very first time you talked to him. Joe. Joe Johnson. I can't see where... Uh, it's not a matter of seeing it, Steve. It's a matter of it happening. You can't put me on every minute what I did that day, and that's... We can say that at 12.50, the tow truck came. We can say at 13.01, you cleared the call, and we can say at 13.12, you called dispatch to run Terrence Williams' name as April 1st, 1975. Yeah. We can say that, can't we? So, if you're telling me that you didn't get this until you went back to Vito and got it from him, that ain't the case. Because it would have taken you a hell of a lot longer than that. I don't think so. I do. 
Think about where you were and where you had to drive to. Then you got to go in and get this information from Vito. Then you got to get on your next tail and call it. That just doesn't make sense. I mean, it's that obvious. No, it's not obvious. It, it is a that couple obvious. of minutes to get to the substation from there. It takes a, it's, it's not. It's not that far away. And then, and then we're pulling Vito into this, you know, and Vito's going to tell us what? That he ran the name right then and there when you walked into the station. As soon as you walked into the station, you went right to Vito and you said, hey, run this guy. That didn't happen. Well, I mean, Steve, you got to look at it. I mean, we're not, not sitting in here trying to get you to tell us something that we don't know. We want you to tell us the truth about it so that when you're I'm answering the questions, the not to this... Told the truth right along. You guys. You told you told the truth about some things. I mean, I'll give you that. You told the truth about some things, but not about this. About everything. No, you haven't, because the first thing you told Joe was that you went looking for him. Then you're telling Mike that you didn't go looking for him. You went back to the station before you went up to the Circle K. I went. You're you're backing. You're backing up. You know, you keep backing up. I went to the Circle K. I went to the substation right along to where I was going in the first place. So you're saying you left the tow truck and went to the Circle K, or you're saying you left the tow truck and you went to the station? Because it can't be both. It can only be one or the other. There's just not that much time in the world. we just got to figure out which one was which first. Well, you got to tell us, because you know what it is. Steve, you had a lot of time to sit back and think about it. You know <laughs> the whole day was insignificant to me. Until. It's, it's hard for me to... But Steve, one thing you know, you know for a fact whether or not you went looking for him after you left the tow truck. If you felt that this guy beat you, you got in your car and you drove up looking for him. If you found him, you found him. If you ran his name, you ran his name. Why is that so hard to admit to? I don't understand that. Do you think that that's, I don't know what you think that is. You know, that's what I can't understand. Why do you think that that's such a big thing if you tell us that you ran up and said, hey, I thought this guy beat me. I jumped in my car after I had the tow truck hook his car. And I drove up and I found him. And when I found him, I said, hey, give me your name and your date of birth. I want to know who you are. I don't have a problem with that. Why do you? You know, that's what I can't understand, Steve. Why do you have such a problem with this one thing? You know, why do you think that this is the nail in the coffin, so to speak? Uh, that I can't understand. You know, I mean, this is nothing other than the fact is that every time we ask you a question, we have to go back and get clarification. And every time we have to go back and get clarification, it makes it look like you're trying to hide something. And if you're trying to hide this, what else are you trying to hide? Do we got a body laying around in the sticks somewhere that we don't know about? I mean, are we going to be clearing, are we going to be widening, you know, Immokalee Road down through uh, Wiggins Pass someday and all of a sudden find out that we got a dead body out there, like they keep digging all these dead bodies up out there? You know? I mean, you know, I don't think any one of us want to sit here and say that that's the case. But you have to look at it from an outsider's point of view. I mean, we're working this from one thing. We're working this like we work any case to prove what you're telling us is truthful. If what you're telling us is truthful, then you should not be having a problem. If everything that you tell us is truthful, like the last time you came in here and I said to you, did you take him to the Circle K? And you said, yes, I did. And I said to you, did you take him anywhere else other than the Circle K? And you say, no, I didn't. You cleared that test without a doubt, didn't you? And why? Because that was the truth. But when we ask you the question in here today, was Terrence with you when you ran his April 1st, 1975 date of birth over your next tell, and you say no, he was with you. That's the problem. That doesn't seem to be anything more than that, but our problem is that if that is not the truth, what else is not the truth? You know, you're making, you're, you're backing us up now. Now we're having to go back and revisit things probably don't need revisiting, Steve. 
You know, I mean, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, it's that simple. I mean, it's up to you to tell us what the truth is. We're not here. The only thing we're trying to do is make sure that what you're telling us is the truth. I think I've told you everything I'm going to tell you. Okay, well, I've, I've told you everything I can think of. Well, obviously Bye. not to everything. Well, well, anyway, have a seat out in the lobby. I think Mike has some questions for you. All right. After Calkins left the room, Investigators showed him a copy of his phone records, showing that he had made the second call from his Nextel. He was then shown the transcript of that call, which showed that he correctly spelled Terrence's first name and used his middle initial. They then showed him his written statement, where he said that there was no documentation found in the car that he could have gotten that from. The phone records also showed Calkins lied when he said in his written statement that he called the Circle K to see if Terrence worked there. Reportedly, Calkins looked at all of this and angrily replied, This entire incident is political because it is an election year. He then informed investigators that he had a dinner date and left. On June 24, 2004, Internal Affairs submitted its investigation findings to Chief Stice of the Collier County Sheriff's Office. The 10-page report chronicled all of Calkins' conflicting statements, beginning on January 16th when he lied to the dispatcher, all the way up to April 16th when he walked out of his post-polygraph interview with Scott Walters. The report also punched two large holes in Calkins' timeline before and after Terrence's car was towed, including 53 minutes where his activity and location is unknown after his call to run Terrence's fake date of birth. On August 2nd, Calkins was fired from the Collier County Sheriff's Office. The official reasons given for his termination were being negligent or in noncompliance with CCSO regulations, for using his Nextel instead of his radio as required for checking in and out of calls, willfully departing from the truth in connection with official duties, for lying to Kathy Marchi, the dispatcher who called him on January 16th, four days after Terrence Williams disappeared, and for conduct unbecoming, for the language he used in his homey Cadillac radio call. Calkins attempted to appeal the PRB decision, which required that he respond to each of his termination reasons. He admitted the radio call was in poor taste, but he did not give reasons for lying to a dispatcher. In fact, Calkins indicated he didn't remember that call taking place, and he did not offer to clarify any of the conflicting answers he gave during the investigation that were contained in his dismissal papers. The Collier County Sheriff's Office denied Calkins' appeal on September 8th and handed their investigation findings over to the U.S. Attorney's Office and the FBI. But Calkins refused to meet with federal investigators, and he would not testify before a federal grand jury. He relocated to Iowa some time afterwards.
On August 8, 2018, Marsha Bug filed a wrongful death lawsuit against Steve Calkins in Florida's 20th Judicial Court in Collier County. In her civil action, Marsha's attorney Benjamin Crump alleged that on January 12, 2004, after Calkins drove away from the cemetery with Terrence, he returned without Terrence, but had his keys. He then moved Terrence's car in a spot where it would obstruct traffic and left the keys on the ground, staging the scene to make the car appear abandoned. It was further alleged that Calkins didn't have the toll records sent to his in-vehicle computer because he never called in the traffic stop. The suit further alleges Calkins had hard copies of the toll records sent to his private residence. The last part of the lawsuit acknowledges Terrence Williams is dead and was legally declared so on January 9th of 2009. In their court hearing, Calkins' attorneys argued for dismissal on statutory law grounds. No evidence was presented in defense of the allegations, and on June 5th the wrongful death lawsuit was dismissed. Marsha Bug and her attorneys appealed that decision, and as of the date of this recording, that appeal is pending review. Actor Tyler Perry has publicly offered a $200,000 reward in this case for any information leading to the whereabouts of Terrence Williams and Felipe Santos, both of whom remain missing to this very day. The term deceptive reflection is used in psychology to describe an individual's refusal to remember or accept factual events. Just like denial, only the individual uses failing memory as a way of avoiding the truth. Saying I can't remember, even when faced with a certainty. From the very beginning, Calkins wanted to distance himself from Terrence. Even when it became obvious, he refused to say Terrence was with him when he made his second call. In the end, Terrence beat Calkins by giving him a fake date of birth that only he knew of. And when he was confronted with this, Calkins could not create an answer for it. So two young minority males, in their 20s, both caught driving without licenses or insurance, both put in the back of a patrol car driven by Deputy Calkins, and never seen or heard from again. And in both instances, Calkins says he dropped them off at a Circle K gas station. You would have to believe in the impossible to not see something is wrong here. In the time before body cams, similar situations likely empowered bad police officers to do the unthinkable. To combat this, body cams are becoming a requirement. And nearly everyone in the world has a video camera in the palm of their hands. Every day, more and more people are becoming aware of their rights and fighting back against the Steve Calkins of the world and against conduct unbecoming.
I want to personally thank the Collier County Sheriff's Office for giving me everything I asked for to review this case. I truly believe that the people working there today want to see these cases solved. So if anyone out there has any information on these cases, I encourage you to call the CCSO at 239-252-9300. Thank you. 